International. Welcome to another episode of Lie, Cheat, and Steal, the podcast about liars, frauds, thieves, and bullshitters. I'm your host, Pat Soroyce. With me, as always, my co-host, Kath Barbadoro. Hi, Pat. What's going on, Kath? How you doing? I'm good. Um, I'm a little sleepy today. I uh, I went to watch a wrestling show last night. And, uh, I saw uh, on Twitter you were tweeting uh, um, pictures of wrestlers that looked more live, like more in person than the normal pictures you tweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it was very fun. I watched the main event was uh, uh, La Parca. If anybody ever watched old WCW, he's a big fat Mexican skeleton who uh, <laughs> got a little fat skeleton. A- yeah, he brings a metal folding chair to the ring and plays it like a guitar. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He kicks ass. Um, I did. I, I did see a guy's ear get like ripped off, God. which was not great. Damn. Yeah, it was. It was not awesome. I mean, ripped off is an overstatement. He had a cauliflower ear, and it like kind of exploded, and it was really gross. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm a little traumatized. Um, it was not awesome. Blood from the guy's exploded cauliflower ear got on the front row of people, like right in front of me. Oh, uh, sure. like Gallagher shows and shit. <laughs> like, yeah, like there was a splash zone for this dude's yeah, uh, yeah. dude's work ear. So. I feel like I uh, am never going to forget what an exploding ear sounds like. And uh, thanks for letting me process it a little bit. (laughs) Opening up this podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, this is is where we come to work things out. You know, that's that's why I do this. I don't know why you're in it. But uh, (laughs) uh, my uh, my girlfriend's uh, baby daddy, uh, for lack of a better ex-husband, let's fucking call it what it is. But uh, (laughs) he he does uh, MMA and all that shit. And she was telling me that, like, like when his squad gets together, just there's not a, a, a normal ear in the in the whole in the oh, whole house. Uh, like it's all yeah, just, I bet. yeah, gnarled, disgusting little nubs of ear. Um, <laughs> oh, I don't want to put that out there. But basically, she told me she met one of the people one time and legitimately almost threw up when she saw his ear. <laughs> oh, poor guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, those, yeah. those people. I mean, wrestlers and and MMA dudes are. It's a little bit of a different crowd, but there is like some crossover. Yeah, there's like I've met a couple wrestlers who who used to be in UFC and stuff, and most of them I think quit UFC and started wrestling because they didn't like the how like actually violent UFC was like they yeah. like sort of the more creative like combative entertainment part yeah, yeah. Um, so who's, like, who's the improv kids uh, you have wrestling and, and you have wrestling and uh, MMA who's stand up and who's improv it's, I, I think that um, wrestling is definitely more improv yeah, like yeah, it's yeah, more so. like they have like a little bit of a theater kid streak to them you yeah, know? yeah it's buff theater kids that's <laughs> yeah so like the UFC guys I've met in that like they seem like so chill like I can't imagine them ever getting mad enough to like fight someone for real for free yeah. you know what I mean like yeah. it's just weird because it's like you you were like involved in this like gladiatorial sport but you're like super chill i feel like they all smoke a bunch of weed and like are just like the most like i don't know it's weird anyway this is a tangent uh (laughs) usc people weird weird job (laughs) i'll say that yeah uh strange job um 
uh, scanning my database for a weird job segue transition. Uh, Here we go. I got one. You know what? Actually, I do it. Okay. I, this has very little to do with a weird job story, but the guy I'm about to tell you about has a weird job that I never heard of before. Uh, okay. This guy, the, 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 one of the central figures of our story today, uh, worked uh, as a tobacconist. <laughs> a tobacconist, okay. which I imagine is a tobacco scientist. But this was in 1867, Ooh. so he, he wasn't evil. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, this is what I was talking about today. I, I found, I, saw this and I was like what the heck and this is a, a crazy story uh, I think we had talked we discussed this and we thought that there might be a dollop out there about this if there is we're going dark and it will never be to post another episode again and I'm leaving the country and I apologize <laughs> so uh, but I was going to go ahead and uh, hop right into this because this is a fun one it's a little long uh, we're not long but it's dense so we're not dense it's, please don't turn off the the, the podcast <laughs> <laughs> I know dense isn't a fun word but just stick around it could be fun there's a lot going on yeah, we'll yeah. so I was going to tell you the story of uh, of a gentleman here uh George Hall, George Hall, that's H-U-L-L, not H-A-L-L, of cough drop fame. Um, So Hall worked as a tobacconist in Binghamton, Binghamton, New York in 1867. Uh, I'm sorry, the the time that it takes place is in 1867. He was presumably born before that year. Um, Fair enough. So yeah, uh, he was a tobacconist. He's out there. He's free and wheeling and dealing. He's a bit of an enlightened guy, uh, more so than was common at the time. Uh, He was an atheist. And um, and he uh, was uh, very, percep- very very receptive towards the Charles Darwin origin of species and all the recent the stuff that had been going on that time of uh, of evolution and science. Uh, and he particularly liked how it uh, upended the the religious um, uh, hierarchical structure in America and kind okay. of challenged religious thought. Uh, so he was a fan of that. He was like, "Yes, more of that, please." Uh, so. As a tobacconist, I imagine he had to, you know, go around tobacking with people and stuff, you know? <laughs> so, uh, in, 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 our story starts in 1867 while he was on on business in the town of Ackley, Iowa. Shout out. I, actually, I, I don't know anything about it, but um, <laughs> shout out to Ackley. If you're out there, keep keep it up. Uh, so, yeah. So, he, he, he was in Ackley. And while there, he was out. Uh, he met a traveling Methodist revivalist preacher called Reverend Turk. Uh, they, they were, Ooh, mysterious name. I yeah, feel like... Like yeah. a Reverend Turk is not up to, you know, yeah, he's yeah. not above board to me. Yeah, I, I feel like a, a, a Reverend is a little, <laughs> is a little already special. here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was almost going to say, and a Turk, and I was like, that's super racist. Hold on. Oh, <laughs> when I, I grew up on the military bases in Germany, and um, there is a, uh, usually next to the military bases, there is a uh, large apartment complexes that are generally uh, Turkish uh, with, uh, with mm-hmm. Turkish peoples living in them and just the American you're American military kid you instantly don't like the German kids and you don't like the Turkish kids it's just like there are three sure. camps you barely meet you barely see each other because you live on the base but it was like not uncommon to get into fights and stuff with Turkish kids and German kids uh, so when we first moved there I befriended a, uh, a little asshole named Tyler and he was like a kind of kid who could like dislocate a little his, asshole yeah, yeah he was like the kind of kid who could like he, he played with knives and he could like dislocate his shoulder and like he would set stuff sure. on fire. He's you know, like a real fun kid. 
Yeah. And, uh, a he, good influence. A good influence, yes. He had a bad uh, reputation among the American kids there. We had just moved there. And, uh, you know, you get the military bases, it's like you're just getting into like prison. You guys like figure out what's going on. And uh, th- these kids told me, my sister, yeah, that kid Tyler, he's a bad kid. He hangs out with all the Turkish kids. So he's already he's lighting stuff on fire. He's hanging out with the Turkish kids. Was not liked among the kids there. Me and him hit it off great. And my sister just did an epic quest to get me in trouble. My mom was getting home from work. Uh, she was getting out of, got out of her car, walked up to the front of the apartment building. And my sister was like so amped to tell on me that I was hanging out with a bad kid. So she like ran up and she said, mom, mom, mom. Junior, I'm a junior in the family. Junior is friends with this new kid, and this kid hangs out with the Turks, which that's what they would say, the Turks. Oh. And my mom was looking through, flipping through bills, and she looked at my sister and said, So? <laughs> and I was oh, like, Oh, yeah, that's racist. Mom. I was like, That's right, <laughs> racism. Uh, get out of here, you racist sister. <laughs> Racism saved you. Like, yeah. keep hanging out with the bad kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so maybe back to it. So Reverend Turk, that was a little tangent, but so they they, they were they were sharing a drink and they started talking talking religion. Uh, you know what you do in those days. Sure. Um, and they started they started to argue over a biblical passage. It was Genesis six four, where it says there were giants in the earth in those days. Now. The preacher argued that everything in the Bible, even that phrase, should be taken literally. Hall naturally disagreed, but the preacher's assertion got him thinking. Um, Hall stated that he lay in bed that night uh, wondering why people would believe those remarkable stories in the Bible about giants, and suddenly... I thought of making a stone giant and passing it off as a petrified man. We're just going to jump right in. <laughs> so, wow, you suddenly thought of that. <laughs> yeah, wow. Some, yeah, yeah, like, oh. What yeah. A yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just thinking, I'm just spitballing, I don't know, big stone guy. Like, I haven't been thinking about this for years. <laughs> no. I, he just wanted to make a big old boyfriend pillow. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just make a big stone man with veiny arms, you know, just to really <laughs> d- own the libs. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he, he thought about that and that, that that I know that sounds like I just jumped to the punch but it's a lot more so <laughs> this is what this is what what he did he wanted to uh, illustrate what he considered the ridiculousness of literal belief in such Bible stories uh, he knew about hoaxes. okay so this is this is an art project yes yeah yeah exactly okay. this is, yeah this is performance art uh, yeah. He's, yeah he's essentially I don't know like he's, he's like the it's Yoko a social experiment yes yeah he's like the Yoko Ono of his day Pre- precisely yeah so uh, Hall knew about the hoaxes and the successes of people like Barnum of uh, uh, Barnum and Bailey fame and also thought that he could make some money uh, Hall had been something of a social outcast partly due to his atheism uh, the car and this, this 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 idea was his chance to stick it to his enemies and make them look foolish in a very public way as an atheist who was raised religious I do have to stop myself sometimes from just like digging the knife in you know mm-hmm. you, you gotta you gotta kind of like check yourself being an asshole you're like you know, it, it, it's that's a hard lesson to learn because there's if you're at some point in your life as an atheist you're insufferable like it's just like you know, <laughs> so yeah so this was his insufferable phase because society hadn't learned yet that it's bad to be a shitty atheist so exactly yeah, yeah. So whole, this is pre-Reddit. He had no one to commune yeah, with. Yeah, he yeah. had to. <laughs> he was just a, a George Hall going his own way. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so Hall couldn't get the idea of making a stone giant out of his head. Okay, c- calm down, buddy. Uh, he sold <laughs> he sold his business and set about making the giant a reality. So it took Hall more than two and a half years and about twenty six hundred dollars to make the Cardiff Giant. 
Uh, he visit. He went on a countrywide tour. He visited several states, uh, searching for the right natural materials. Uh, and Hall eventually found the stuff that he made the Giants of Fort Dodge, Iowa. Um, he quarried a five-ton block of gypsum, and at the height of summer, personally conveyed it by wagon to the nearest rail station, more than forty miles away. Hall then shipped the block back east to Chicago, where he'd already secured a partner and a couple of stone workers. So he meets these stone workers. He tells them what he wants. Doesn't tell him why he wants it though uh and tells him what he's looking for and over the course of several weeks uh the, the guys fashioned a 10 foot 3,000 pound giant down to every last detail now he did not want them talking to anybody and so what he did was he kept them with beer he just gave them like kegs of beer so they'd stay out of the taverns <laughs> yeah like, that, that's such a good idea yeah yeah just it's like so, that's who they're that's where they're gonna talk yeah. that's where they're you know gonna have their loose lips in the <clears throat> excuse me in the bar yeah so yeah give them beer they'll stay out of there yeah th- this still Genius. works this still works <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah, Genius. Like, uh, I, I'm in a comedy rap duo with a person who is very opposite myself in terms of everything uh, my friend Lane <laughs> Crayrup and Lane is just like he has mastered the art of working with me like we get drink tickets and Lane is real quick to go to the promoter first and get the drink tickets and, and then secure them in his pocket and not give them to me until after we get off stage <laughs> <laughs> Aw, Lane was. We, we he ma- he's your manager. He rewards you with drink with yeah, alcohol yeah. treats. Yeah, I'm like a little seal getting a fish. Uh, <laughs> One time we were writing and uh, another comic was going to stop by to buy a cell phone from Lane. That's his business. And he goes, yeah, Zach Brooks is stopping by in a little bit. And I said, oh, cool. And we kept writing. And then later I said, when's Zach coming by? He goes, oh, he already stopped by. I went out there and, and, and you know, and dealt with him and came back in. I was like, what did you say anything? He's like, oh, because I knew you just get distracted. And then so I, saw, <laughs> I saw Zach later and he was like, he's like, yeah, I stopped by Lane's. I was like, yeah, I was there. He didn't tell you. He's like, he didn't even tell me you were there. Like, so Lane just kept us separated like pit bulls. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Anyway, yeah, so you got to know how to work with your work with people. So, uh <laughs> So yeah, so he supplied them with a few kegs of beer, keep them out of the taverns, and thusly stopped them from spilling the beans. So he told him what he wanted, but he didn't really tell him exactly what it needed to look like. Uh, and this is kind of funny. Uh, they get they got it down, you know, the details down to uh, a T. When he came back though and looked at it, they had actually made it look just like him. <laughs> so they, <laughs> <laughs> they, oh man, they get, they're gonna like, figure out who did this. No, he's like, oh, I can't come to this, you know. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, but it was down to like even his beard and. And so he had to be like, hey, guys, beards don't petrify. And they were like, okay. So they got back they to work. They had to chip the beard off. Yeah, yeah. They they even uh, they, they covered it with a, a sulfuric acids that left it with a dark and dingy hue. And mm-hmm. then to really set it off, uh, he got a wire brush and then uh, went around beating the stone down to make pores on the skin. Wow. So, yeah, they, they got into it. So what they were left with was this huge 10-foot, 3,000-pound um, George Hall looking giant and uh, they, they did sand the beard off and uh, oh they give did they give him glasses no okay I, I, um, they did not do that so <laughs> anyways so workers yeah so they uh, they had this giant now and so this is this is essentially a revenge tale against the, a guy who argued with him in a bar <laughs> like oh uh, my god yeah he, bar, he argued with the Reverend Turk and they were two years later in this guy's life thousands of dollars down the drain and now he has this uh giant giant all right so what he does is is he um he does is he finds a uh 
he finds a town in upstate New York where he has a brother-in-law living there, and he goes he goes to his brother-in-law and he cuts him in on this deal, and they bury the giant on his property in Cardiff, New York. Uh, it's about sixty miles north of Hall's home in Binghamton. Now he used this area because this at the time upstate New York was like like the the hub of like protestantism and like you know the religious right essentially in the nation was kind of centered yeah. in upstate new york and new england yeah uh, upstate new york what, what when does this taking place again like, like late 19th century it's like eight this is the 1860s yeah that like that's like when like where mormonism started exactly. like yeah exactly yeah. all these like weird cults that started in upstate new york yeah well, not you know, that it's like mormonism have- saying mormonism is a weird cult is yeah. maybe not the most appropriate <laughs> yeah, but like yeah. just a lot of like new religious movements seem to start there yeah yeah that's like, what that's what they, very they, strange. They, they, i found a lot of that out uh we well, you know it's like you know you're you know you're, you're not in the city you always have that chip on your shoulder you know like you know, we're not <laughs> we gotta do something big you know or you know so so, uh, yeah, so yeah, you, you end up starting religions and shit like that, or making a new type of uh, chicken wing. So, uh, yeah, so he finds it, and he basically they go out on uh, in the cover of night, and they dig a hole and they bury it down there. And this is uh, on this is in October of 1868. Uh, they and then they just wait a year until October 16th, 1869. His uh, his. It's his cousin, actually, not his brother-in-law. I'm sorry. It's his cousin's farm, uh, William Newell, a.k.a. Stubb. So it's Stubb's farm. (laughs) Yeah. uh, So they put it under there. So about a year later, Stubb goes and talks to some guys. He says, hey, man, I want to build a well. Uh, on my on my property, can you guys dig a well? And uh, they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then so they did. And, but uh, so yeah, so they were like, yeah, we got you. So he hires these guys. He brings them out to where he wants the well to be dug, uh, and said, right here, let's go ahead and um. Just dig here. He goes back in the house by this was on a, a Saturday. Uh, later that evening, they're they're digging. Shovel hits something. They start digging it up. What do they find? The friggin' petrified remains of a biblical giant right oh, under shit. there. Yeah. So they come and they tell him, and he, you know, he stubbed at his best. Uh, you know what? I would imagine, <laughs> uh, so he, uh, they go there, and this is on Saturday. Uh, it's when it's found. By Sunday evening, uh, it was estimated that 10,000 people had heard of the giant by word of mouth alone. See, Damn! Yeah, what was going on at the time was that you had you had Darwin's like theories uh, cropping up and really challenging religious thought in a way that really hadn't happened before. Uh, yeah. I, think, like, I think probably like like when you know Galileo and like you know uh, heliocentric universe like that was like probably the last time it really shook up like that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So that there, makes was, sense. there was people who were were looking for things to confirm their scientific beliefs, but also what was going on is people were looking for ways to blend their religious and scientific, like their old religious viewpoints with science, scientific knowledge. And if mm-hmm. anyone's grown up at the church, occasionally you'll come across some reading material where it's like, you know, like, uh, do you know that they can they can tell they can uh, what did somebody tell me was my youth minister said. By looking at the bottom of the Red Sea, they can tell that a uh, part of it was uh, was ex- dried or exposed for uh, the, the other parts of it. You have to like back up Moses parting the Red Sea, <laughs> shit like that. So they uh, people were looking for this because this was going on. So they found that th- this giant comes out, and basically people started saying, "Yo, it's it's like the giants in Genesis," and that spreads, and everybody's like, you know, they want to see this because it, it kind of helps them confirm what they thought about the world you know yeah. uh so on monday yeah, so on saturday it gets found uh sunday 
It's 10,000 people have already heard of it. On Monday, Stubb raised a tent over the giant and began charging visitors 50 cents a head for a 15-minute viewing. <laughs> so Nice. They said this is about the price of a movie ticket today. And uh, about just as entertaining, too. Huh? Um, <laughs> so Stubb, at this point, they, they start up, they're averaging 300 to 500 visitors a day for a few weeks. So that's, you know, they're making fucking uh, 250 bucks a day, which I can only imagine was like $44 million back then. Right, exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All the money you'd ever need yeah. for the rest of your life. Yeah, they were, they were just, yeah, they were like the, the Jeff Bezos of that time. <laughs> uh, so... Yeah, so if, uh, on one Sunday, they brought in nearly 3,000 visitors. So that's 1,500 bucks. Again, the, the generational wealth at that point. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, though Stubb owned the farm, uh, Hall managed the giant business. Literally the giant business. Um, the giant, giant business. So <laughs> now on Tuesday, we're still, we're just four days in. <laughs> on Tuesday, the New York Daily Tribune ran a front page story about the giant. This brought the giant national attention. And with days, within days, the giant was a leading story in papers across across the country. If you've ever seen the Angel episode of The Simpsons, this is uh, inspired by this. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I have not. Oh, I have it's, not. It's, oh, it's so good. They, they, they dig up a, uh, the skeleton of an angel and it just like, the te- <laughs> you know, yes, they find it and Springfield reacts to it in th- quite the way you would expect and then towards the end at Fever Pitch when there's like, you know, uh, combating factions over what to do and what this means, right. uh, it raises up and starts to speak and then it floats across town and lands in front of a furniture store and it's on a, it's on a little shitty wire and it's like, come on down to our <laughs> sale. It was just like an advertisement the whole time. Oh, that kicks ass. Yeah. Classic Simpsons uh, revealing something, a little something about yeah. our society yeah, yeah, and I'm making gonna, us laugh. Yeah, gonna reveal a little bit something about yourself, huh? Gonna hold up a mirror, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I family guy referenced my Simpsons praise. Anyways, <laughs> So uh Hall now so basically they 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 were in like the, the it's caught fire. So Hall decided, yo, strike while the iron's hot. Now's the time uh quickly as possible before the hoax is revealed to start, you know, getting some real scratch out of this. So uh on October 23rd, 1869, a group of local businessmen bought a 75% interest in the giant for $30,000, the most money the world's ever seen at that time. So According to Franco, uh, they they moved the giant to Syracuse, New York, uh, where its popularity con- continued. Train companies actually revised their schedules to allow longer stops in town so people could see the giant. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, hotels were booming. Local businesses pros- prospered. And uh, <laughs> in local elections, Cardiff Giant received several write-in votes. <laughs> <So> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Really using democracy to uh, yeah, the best yeah, of yeah, our... Yeah, yeah. Ye, uh, fucking ye old trolls. Um, like said, <laughs> ye old, anyways, but yeah, early, early, early trolling. Uh, so, nearly every day, uh, newspapers would publish the latest theories as to the giant's origin. Uh, it didn't matter whether you were an eminent scientist or a common laborer; everyone had an opinion on the Cardiff Giant, and Americans were willing to both travel and pay to see it. Uh, the early Tribune article referred to the giant as a fossil. That's what one of the first said it was a fossil. It noted that petrification was the predominant hypothesis of its origins. Yeah, I love when people use big words to talk about just something that's complete bullshit. <laughs> uh, my first girlfriend worked in a coffee shop and uh, they had these really good cheesecake brownies. And 
our town was new to having like coffee shops and shit like that. Uh-huh. And so like there was people like flexing their little coffee snob muscles for the first time. And mm-hmm. I would sit there at the counter all day just waiting for her to get off work and like hearing people say the dumbest shit. Uh, just guy, like brag about the origin of the espresso yeah, they like or, or whatever. Yeah, try to ask a question that it's like it just it. Hey, I have this question that's going to let you know how smart I am and I'm going to ask. Right. Yeah. yeah. More of a comment really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but one time this guy looks at the cheesecake brownies he goes and um, now the marbleization on top of that is that cheesecake (laughs) (laughs) all right dude yeah fuck out of here bro so uh so yeah so um they would say, yeah, the, uh, that it was uh, petrification became a leading theory about the giant. Uh, according to the Farmer's Museum, some people immediately knew it was a fake because, you know, it's a, it is, you know, and uh, <laughs> others were convinced it was a statue of some kind, which it is. <laughs> yeah, like, right. That, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like it's, I mean, I guess it's like they put a lot of work into detailing it, but like. It's a fucking statue. Yeah. You can tell it's a statue. Yeah, like, anyway. oh, yeah, you gotta love that. Like the uh, like, like uh, this this uh, this stone rendition of the human form. I don't know. I think it's some kind of statue. Maybe it's a hot take. I know, but you know. yeah, like either a man, a giant man turned to stone, or like what Occam's razor? Yeah, people, yeah. come on. Exactly. Uh, so oh man, I just googled the Cardiff giant. Yeah. Uh, okay, so. Definitely looks like a statue. Yeah. Also, big hog, like big dick on it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a flopping Doctor Manhattan, just, just yeah, hanging like a, right over. Yeah. Big giant dick, which again, like, wouldn't stay. There's no bones in there. Like that's not gonna yeah. stay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, you very know, weird. Well, it's very it, it's weird. preserved through big dick energy. Uh, that's actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's. Yeah, uh, it's like the most detailed part of it too is the dom. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Weird. It's like, hey, guy, could you work on something else? Like, I'm almost done. Hold on. <laughs> oh man. Um, also, next time the census rolls around, I'm putting big dick energy under religion. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, now, uh, what one, I worship at. Yeah. Uh, one leading uh, 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 intellectual at the times guy, Doctor John F. Boynton, proposed that it was a statue made by a 17th century Jesuit priest to impress the American Indian tribes. That's actually a pretty educated guess, you know. Like I could. I mean, that's like not that far off. He, he's just he's wrong about who did it and who they were trying to impress. Yeah, but yeah, like basically yeah, the same yeah, thing. Yeah. You know? um, just not a Jesuit and not Indian tribes. But yeah. 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 He like his, the parts were all the parts were all there. They just weren't connected, right? Yeah. Uh, now there was the the New York State geologist, which I wonder if they still have that that uh, position. Uh, this guy named James Hall, H A L L, like the cough drop. He believed okay. it was an ancient statue. Uh, uh, so uh, they, they said essentially people saw in the card of giant what they wanted to see for religious believer believers the giant was proof of the literal word of the Bible uh, for scientists whether the giant was an ancient statue or a, a, petri- a petrified man it was a monumental discovery uh, the common thread among believers was that the card of giant pointed to a new prehistory of the American continent so depending on what you believe the giant either connected America to the biblical past or to like a heretofore unknown Greco-Roman styled civilization so right uh, was, people really desperately wanted to believe that white people lived in yeah America. yeah man so much of like youtube is people being like actually it was white people like the whole yeah right yeah <laughs> like they found those fucking like those detailed arrow arrowheads on the coast of virginia and this guy was like okay either brown people made these or more likely white people rode an iceberg all the way over and made them and then left <laughs> like and that's, and yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what happened uh the salutrians look it up but uh 
That's that this the Slutrian like idea and thing has been completely debunked. And like the other day, I saw a somewhat reputable site talking about the Slutrians, and I was like, "What's going on here, man?" I got I got mad. Yeah, we're devolving into just insanity. Yeah. Like all that stuff that's been disproved is now allowed to come back because of racism. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> fucking yeah. wild. Yeah. So uh, so at this point, the, the business has been buy in, and uh, the giant gets moved to Syracuse. Now, uh, P.T. Barnum, uh, that old uh, that old chestnut. He offered to buy a share of the giant for fifty thousand, and uh, the secure the Syracuse investors turned him down. So undeterred, Barnum just created his own fake giant and displayed it in New York City. And, uh, Hell yeah! Yeah, and he ran uh, he ran deceptive ads that implied his was the card of giant. Uh, Barnum's giant was immensely popular popular more so than the original. Uh, actually, some because you know they, uh, Barnum is credited with saying there's a sucker born every minute. Um, that's actually sure. not true. He didn't say that. Um, some historians theorize that upon learning about the success of uh, Barnum's Giant, one of the Syracuse investors, a guy named David Hannum, said there's a sucker born every minute. Uh, that's, that's when you're... So that, it, this gi- specific instance is the origin of that phrase, the Cardiff Giant? I believe, yes. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, sorry, I spilled water earlier and I did not react to it because I'm a professional and now I realize, wow, now I realize it's pro. seeping under my laptop and now I'm panicked. Anyway, <laughs> so, uh, anyways, uh, in December of 1869, the owners, uh, including Hannum, the guy who said the sucker board every minute, uh, requested a court injunction against Barnum's exhibition, but the request was denied. Uh, apparently, if you, know, if you just made a fake giant, you can't be like, hey, they also made a fake giant. So just, right. just, yeah. I know they did because... Uh, Fuck, I can't tell you yeah, why yeah, I know they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the judge just like banged his gavel like, guys, 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 shut the fuck up and get out of here. <laughs> like, just <laughs> please leave. Um, so, yeah, but Barnum's Giant continued to make more money. And with two petrified giants displayed just a few blocks from each other, uh, it became difficult for anyone to take either giant seriously. So they kind of destroyed themselves with that. Um, now... And so at this point, to continue into the religious debate, on November 25th, 1869, uh, or not the religious debate, but anyways, a paleontologist named Othniel Marsh, Othniel, a name rightfully lost to history. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that one did not last. Yeah, yeah. It's funny when you go back far enough in names and you're like, you realize there was a name that was like two modern names like shoved together and you're like, yeah. like oh, Dantrick was a guy, apparently. <laughs> and they just, they just broke into Dan and Patrick and got out of there. Uh, so he said, uh, so he looked at the, at the giant and immediately said, it is of, uh, very recent origin and a most decided humbug. So yeah, he, he was shooting <laughs> shots. He was, he was not playing softball. Uh, he said that one major sign of its fakery was that it was made of gypsum, which is water soluble, which means that the giant could not have survived more than a few years in the ground of Newell's farms, which had several underground streams. So yeah, the science just didn't check out like a, like a, a cursory overlook. Just kind of, it all comes unraveling. Um, there had been skeptics from the beginning, uh, but you know, uh, off the Neil Marsh's words made more of an impact. Uh, then on February 2nd, 1870, the Chicago Tribune uh, published an expose on the giant. So they did, they, they pulled us. They pulled a lie cheat and steal on the giant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which they included confessions from the stone workers. So they went out there and found those stone. Because see what happened is the stone workers. Oh, uh, they ran they out ran, of beer. Yeah, they ran out of beer. They were like, I will talk to anyone who buys me a drink. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just did, like they would talk about how like back in those days like men would just blow their entire paychecks on booze, and like I you know a been there, uh, but b <laughs> like like I just always feel like like I like to drink and I hate when you like 
you know, I was younger, you'd run out of money. You, know, you couldn't drink anymore as you were broke. doesn't happen as much anymore. But like, how heartbreaking must that have been in the 1860s? You're just getting drunk all day and you run out of shekels or whatever the fuck it is and then you can't drink anymore. Ugh. <laughs> Rough day. Anyway, so... Um, and then you just have to be alive in the 1860s. Yeah. Ugh. Well, yeah ugh, no, God. thank yeah, you. Yeah, why you're drinking in the first place. So... <laughs> Despite the, uh, so yeah, so they, 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 many considered these confessions the nail in the coffin. The Cardiff Giant was a fake. Uh, despite the controversy, Hall and Hannum and the new owners, uh, as well as Barnum, were able to keep their money and continue displaying their giants. In fact, the truth did little to dampen the public's fascination with the giant. People continued uh, to visit, and according to the Museum of Hoaxes, the public began referring to the Cardiff Giant as, and this is the, the collective creativity of 1860s America, they called it Old Hoaxy. <laughs> it's a, because <laughs> it was a hoax. I mean, not the most creative, but all right. No, well, you know, they were, they were, it was reconstruction. They didn't have a lot of time for fun names. You know? <laughs> True. <laughs> they, were, they were too busy unifying the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Eventually, however, interest waned. Uh, now, at this point, across the country, other fake petrified men were discovered in subsequent years. And by the end of the 1800s, uh, an oversaturated market and increased skepticism led to public indifference. And according to an article in Archaeology Magazine, in 1876, uh, George Hall, the original uh uh, ne'er-do-well in this whole story he helped create another fake petrified man called the solid Muldoon, which was again debunked uh at that point at towards the end of his life cardiff spent time in massachusetts uh and uh the 1901 pan-american exposition in buffalo where it, uh, it flopped oh the cardiff giant okay so they moved the cardiff giant to massachusetts and then for a while it was at the 1901 pan-american exposition in buffalo new york and it was a total flop nobody gave a shit and finally um it was sold to the farmer's museum in cooperstown new york where it now lies i would imagine close to the baseball hall of fame so you can just get knock it out <laughs> knock it out in one afternoon so i feel like eventually people realize like oh a, a stone man is not a real thing yeah this yeah, is not yeah, yeah, like yeah. but there there have been several iterations let's let's close this chapter of history this is not yeah, a thing yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's move on to be fooled by by greater newer things you know <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so uh Overall, the importance of the Cardiff Giant was uh, was described thusly um, by a historian. Uh, he said, more than anything, the Cardiff Giant hoax became an important cautionary tale for science. Uh, the giant affair embarrassed a number of well-known scientists who let their irrational exuberance and speculation get the best of them. Uh, the hoax would serve as an important reminder of the value of the scientific method. Uh, at the same time, the Cardiff Giant would hasten the emergence of archaeology as a professional discipline in the United States. Uh, within a few decades, amateur artifact hunters and armchair theorists would yield to credentialed scholars and training in archaeological methodology and carefully practice and applied this methodology would make life a lot harder going forward for the George Halls of the world um, I mean it did make it a little harder but I feel like I feel like we got look we got the uh, what's it called that the mermaid that was just like a fish skeleton yeah, yeah, yeah. like we got I, I they were they were still doing all right you yeah. can, hey <laughs> as uh as a famous person who wasn't P.T. Barnum once said, there's a sucker born every yeah, day. Yeah. <laughs> For real, man, I, it's, it's funny when I watch people like wanting to, because things get debunked so quickly these days, you know, because yeah. you know, like the, 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 the collective crowd think of, you know, 
uh, the, billions of people, but like, uh, sure, yeah, no, you you can you can run it by the entire world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can ask the, the internet. Yeah, uh, but like, I remember one time they they thought somebody had said they found Atlantis on Google Maps. Uh, I don't even remember that because uh, <laughs> off the coast of Africa of of, of uh, West Africa, there was a, uh, a like. In the ground, like you know, you know, like when you look at like Google Maps over the water, it like has like the gradient to show like elevation and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. There was like that, like so it looked real and natural occurring on the map. It was these like lines and like corridors and pathway looking things, and everybody's ah, like, oh, shit, I we see, found. yeah, like that relief stuff. Yeah, I was living with my cousin at the time. My cousin, um, it, it, he's a believer. He likes he he's always down to believe. And uh, this dude uh, was like, "Yo, did you see this shit they found? Fucking Atlantis, that and I was like, "Oh, cool," and then, like that. Next day, a news thing came out where Google was like, no, that's our mapping software. Uh, you know, when it comes to large expanses of zero detail, right. it, it sometimes Long it stamp. overlaps itself and the fucking, the lines you see are that. And I showed my cousin and he and he, he just like, just went in, he just dug in. He was like, God, yeah, I mean, that's what they're going to tell you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Google doesn't want you to know about Atlantis. Yeah. Man, that's the, like, I was just thinking about this with conspiracy theories, like, there's always like this 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 under thing of like so so what's the the like what's the end game what's going on like oh well because if people knew this they would panic it would be widespread yeah. panic and like I don't think there's many things in this world that are going to cause people to get off their ass and go outside and panic <laughs> I just especially Atlant like if Atlantis was discovered people would not panic yeah, they would just be like oh I guess there used to be a city and then it flooded like <laughs> this is one guy outside like just grabbing like this past this bus everything we know. Yeah. The world, like, not really. Yeah, a, Aquaman is real. You know, just <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah, so uh, that is that. That's a card of giant. Uh, um, uh, a little window into the fact that we've always been gullible people. Uh, it's, it's still on display. It is, still right? But you can still go pay to see it. So, yeah, it's kind of near me. I should go. Yo, go check it out. Take pictures. Really, I want to see that like very realistic dog yeah. on the, <laughs> that's the like relatively stylized uh, statue. Yeah. The tour guide's like, uh, does anyone have any questions not about the dong? Kath, I see you're still raising your hand. Is this, is this a dong it's question? Very <laughs> apparent. Like Google it. It's like a lot. It's like a lot of dong. Like <laughs> it's. It's a it's a choice. Yeah, it's a choice. Maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, I I heard that the uh, the guy, you ever seen the movie Seven? Yeah. Uh, the guy who is the sloth killer, the guy who, who drowns face first in spaghetti. Um, <laughs> he uh, that dude uh, the the body they use of him in the morgue in the later scene is a model, and so uh, as a, a favor, David Fincher was like he said he felt bad, so David Fincher said. Uh, what he was going to do instead, or basically to get the guy like a heads up for body shaming him, or essentially, uh, he right. gave his model like just the fattest dick. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, just a hog, like like tall. And, I respect that so much. Yeah, tall and wide. Go, I've been streaming somewhere. Check it out and pause it. It's it's, it's a hawker. Uh, so <laughs> just a real a real man. I uh, I have a joke about dicks that uh, is hard to. Um, oh really? A stand up comedian? You have a joke about? Yeah dicks? I, yeah you know it's odd right. <laughs> Uh, and it's been hard to segue into it. And so I uh, I just, on stage the night, I just naturally was like, yeah, yeah, big dick energy. I, I said that my last joke had big dick energy. 
and I got a laugh. And then I use that as a segue into the next joke. And I'm like, oh, I have my segue now. I just talk about big dick energy. And that gets an applause right. break. And Hopefully that will still be relevant uh, for the next, you know, foreseeable future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it doesn't seem like it's going away. Yeah. Like it's, well, I mean, having. I feel like it's here to stay. Yeah. Having a big dick is in, you know? <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. I, I actually wore a shirt last night that was, uh, it was a, a wrestling shirt that my friend designed uh, for a wrestler who uh just like moved up in weight classes so he's like talking about how big he is and it said uh big greg energy <laughs> so you know it's in yeah. uh one of the, be- the best tweets i saw about bde was uh i forget who did it, but somebody just said man i'm gonna lay low for a while until this whole having a big dick thing blows over <laughs> <laughs> that rules yeah it's, it's a phase you know it's just a phase uh, yeah, but so is is it worth it to make a uh, a fake giant with a massive dick and bury it in the ground to own the cons uh, and make a little bit of scratch? Yeah, totally worth it. Totally. Yeah, do it. I mean, express yourself, be creative. <laughs> yeah. If you have a chance to falsify an artifact and make a ton of money off idiots, do it. Like, is that doesn't that yeah. doesn't happen all the time? You don't get that. Absolutely, yeah. go for it. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So that's it. Um, the card of giant, uh, a massive smacking penis. Just go ahead and check that out. Uh, if you're at, yeah, if you're at work, you may want to go into the parking lot and Google it on your phone, hiding behind a tree, because it's, it's it's not it's not a joke. But uh, yeah, so that's 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 the card of giant. Uh, guys, thank you for tuning in. Uh, make sure you listen to us, like us, and rate us, and share us, and subscribe us, and listen to all the other great shows on Body Tape International. And Kath, you've got some excellent podcasts that aren't this. Yeah, uh, WrestleSplania, if you like professional wrestling, and What a Time to Be Alive, if you like goofy news stories. Hey. So check those out, and check my Twitter for dates, Kath Barbadoro. There you go. Guys, well, thanks for tuning in. Uh, Yeah, uh, just, you know, guys, remember, uh, you know, don't I have to. (laughs) How did I Are you going to plug anything? I I don't uh, don't have anything to plug. I don't know when this this will be out. Um, Just take steps to be more aware of me. That's all I'm saying. Check out my. But my we, had, uh, we had Ron Funches on WrestleSplania, nice. and we asked him if he had any plugs, and he went, Think of me positively. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so Approach. I always think of that. Yeah. So just think of Pat positively yeah, in please the future. Do. Uh, also, I, I go check out my Beto O'Rourke fan fiction that went Facebook viral, which I didn't even know was oh, a fucking yeah. thing. <laughs> Yeah, that, please do. It's very funny. Yeah, that that has uh, that has really set the tone for the last week or two of my life. Like my Facebook experience is just like all sorts of fucking crazies, and just now my regular Facebook statuses, people just wander into it and, already. Yeah, crazy. Like, yeah. Like my my Facebook statuses have turned into fucking uh, um, galaxy ping pong or whatever the hell it is. It's literally like it's <laughs> pizza gate. Like dudes walk in, a guy literally in his in his in his uh, Facebook profile holding a shotgun, uh, wandered onto my page and started like talking about like the ills of socialism and shit and just like talking oh, shit to no. like I was like a post that I was making something stupid about like like riding the bus or something like that and uh, he just like hopped on and was just like I will not allow you to be the voice of Texas he said that out-of-state people are going to read my Beto post and they're going to think that there's a liberal mindset here in Texas and it's going to draw more liberals to, <laughs> to, to Texas from their failed liberal states so they can make money here. Uh, this guy works at a fucking uh, radio shack in Spring, Texas, so I'm sure he sees Californians <laughs> every day. But yeah, All the time, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's my life. But uh, guys... So your plug is to go comment on your Facebook page. Yeah, my plug is to just hop on my Facebook page and just berate my political views and call me yeah. Yeah, Yeah, uh, I've been called (laughs) gay a lot.
um, yeah so anyway so that, yeah that's that's that check for me out there in the Beto O'Rourke Ted Cruz erotic fan fiction world and uh, when, when you're checking for it though just remember don't get caught don't get caught see you next time guys 